This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rant. Thanks for joining us. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been about a month since we've talked to you all uh, here with Fonseca and Lanny. How are you guys doing? How's everything? I've missed you. Everything is great, Steve. We missed you too. Missed you, you really a lot, miss Steve. Now that you're back, really? Oh, yeah. that's sweet. That's sweet. I don't believe you. Uh, anyway, we've got a lot to talk about. We uh, we're we're deep in the throes of spring football. I'd like to get your updates on that. We've got developments with the basketball roster. We've got a ton of spring sports well underway, churning through their seasons. We'll talk about that, of course. Uh, but let's talk football, guys. You've been down there in Piscataway. You've watched a lot of practices at this point. We are. Two weeks away from the annual spring game, which we will see that everyone will get to see the team. You've seen it first. Let me ask you this. Start with this very basic question. What position group has impressed you guys the most so far? If you had to pick one of them, pick one of them. I had one in mind immediately, and now I have, I have a couple. I'll go with my immediate thought. It's running backs, um, and this is without Sam Brown. He's, uh, Greg, I think, said in the first practice of the spring, he's not practicing, but even without him, um, you've got a lot of death back in Kyle Manungai. You got Aaron Young. I got Jay Sean Benjamin, a freshman from Florida, uh, who's in his first spring camp. So uh, that's the one I that comes to mind for me. But Pat, I'm curious for you because again, a couple of them came to mind for me just as Steve was asking me the question. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say defensive line, just really? because it's such huh. a veteran, it's such a veteran group, and then you're adding Motore back into that mix, and obviously he's been. A, a big time. Well, let me preface this that by saying Motere could play edge slash linebacker slash defensive end. We don't exactly know where he's going to end up, but uh, you add him into the mix. I just think that I've seen a lot of pressures and it looked like the defense is just slightly ahead of the offense as you would kind of expect at this point. That's a good question. Since I, I was wondering about that and you certainly would have expected that I would have, I would have wondered about the defensive line group. It's interesting you say that. What about the linebackers and the and the and the, and the cornerbacks and defensive backs? Is that the same same situation? Are they a little bit ahead of their respective positions? 
I would think so. Yeah. And the big story of the spring so far for me is that the linebackers went from being a position with no depth to being a position with might be one of their better position groups. And obviously the secondary, you lost Izian and Avery Young, but they brought in Michael Flip Dixon from Minnesota and they bring back both starting cornerbacks. So I think the secondary is also, I think the defense overall uh, should be just as good, if not better than a season ago, which is uh, a good sign for Rutgers. All right, flip flip the card to the offense because I'm sure that's where most people are going to be watching this spring. There's just a lot of changes on that unit. You start with Kirk Shiraka, you, you bring in Pat Flaherty for the offensive line. You could have, I mean, at least a, a couple of new starters on the offensive line, certainly. I'm interested to see what that unit looks like. And, of course, the quarterback. We're going to talk about Gavin Wimsett, I'm sure, for the next eight months uh, as he begins his development uh, to, to, to in this program. Brian, have you seen anything different in a Kirk Shiraka offense? I mean, if I go out there right now, was there something that will just, I'll be, oh, hey, wow, that's new. Uh, nothing comes to mind. I, and even if it did, I don't think I'd be able to say it. I, but no, nothing comes <laughs> to mind. Frankly, if I did say it, this would be the last you'd ever hear from me on this podcast. No, you'd be I rubbed think, out immediately. Yes, I'd be like like in the Stalin videos. Like you just never would see my writing on any site ever again. I would just be disappeared <laughs> from the record everywhere. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I, I have not seen any grand large scale changes. But that's probably to be expected because it's the, his first spring, and this is probably the time to kind of install the base parts of the offense and the simple things. Um, and especially when you have young quarterbacks like Gavin Wimsett and you have younger guys that you're trying to give it, you know, with their feet in the spring and kind of training camp is probably the time where it gets evolved. I think an encouraging thing that Greg Schiano said after the scrimmage Saturday, their first scrimmage, is that there weren't a lot of turnovers. As you guys know, obviously turnovers were a humongous issue last year. Uh, so if Gavin Wimsett and Evan Simon could not turn the ball over against, as we've established, a pretty good Rutgers defense, that's a good sign. Uh, but it's uh, like you said, we have eight months to kind of simmer over this. I think it's a little too early to, to be celebrating that. I'll give you a podcast what about you? favorite. I'll give you a podcast favorite here, Steve. Hit me. Saw two wide receiver screens thrown on Saturday. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. That's Just something. That's good. Play. That's something. Just That's... a simple pass play. Did the pass end up in the wide receiver's hands or was yeah. the pass over? Both times. Both times completions. Okay, that's good. That's something. That's encouraging. Maybe uh, uh, I know you can't simplify say much, things but, a little bit. Yeah, g- give me a sense though. What uh, at least what you've seen from Gavin Wimsett physically? What Greg Shiano has said. You mentioned the no turnovers. I mean, this is obviously we've got a lot riding him on him right now. Uh, they have yet to add another quarterback to that room for this year. I mean, would just give me give me a sense of what you know what the big takeaway is midway through spring for for Wimsett. Let's see. Where do we begin? <laughs> um, let's let's start with. I think Brian said the mistake free thing is a big is a big deal. He's still shown still shown that strong arm. A little bit of a lack of accuracy we've seen at times, just like last season. Um, I just haven't seen that much of Gavin. It seems like that was my big takeaway from Saturday. It just seemed like they kind of took the ball out of his hands a little bit. Uh, worked on the run a little bit more than I, I thought mm-hmm. physically. I don't think there's any question. It's going to be a run first. Well, this is going to be a run first offense. I don't think no. there's any. We're not revealing any secrets about that. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's going to be a read option kind of offense too, where you can see a lot more Gavin running the ball now that he's healthy. I think that was a big part of what limited him last year. That ankle injury kind of slowed him down. And physically, he looks the part. Uh, that's all I can say. He's always looked the part to me. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. 
I think physically he's he's there. And what Greg has said repeatedly is same as last year. They take two steps forward and then they take a step back. And I think at some point that's just going to be, we're going to cross that off of our list of quotes that we can't use anymore. <laughs> it's going to be the, it's going to be the new, uh, we're a young team here for, for 2023. Uh, all right. Uh, something I know you can talk about. You guys have had a bunch of interviews with players. I've enjoyed reading about them. Just some funny stuff, the dark side, the train. I mean, just we're getting, we're, we're seeing some, some guys who maybe weren't big parts of this team leadership wise guys who uh are going to take that lead i just get each one of you give me give me a guy who you've talked to who impressed you and uh tell me the story that you think is going to be a big part of this all right desmond igbenosin safety just instantly five seconds into the interview you knew this guy was just ready to just drop quotes on us no i love it it was incredible he comes over shakes everyone's hands wants like introduce himself to us i'm desmond you know, I'm Pat Lanny from NJ.com. He's like, where are you from? Where are you from? It was just great. Uh, <laughs> the guy was oozing with personality. And uh, he comes out and he's talking about leadership, of course, and all the all the things that everyone else talks about, chopping and all, the, all that great stuff. And then I ask him, who's going to be the run stopper on this uh, in the secondary now that Izian's gone? And he goes, we're all going to be run stoppers. The, the dark side is going to be the run stoppers. And I'm like, I go, the dark, the dark side. side. Where does that, what does that mean? And he goes, oh, that's just what, uh, what Harris Simiak calls the secondary. And, and uh, I, I didn't elaborate from there, but uh, he was just very impressive and colorful. And then someone asked him about the weight room, how the offseason mm-hmm. weight training has been going. And he said, ah, oh, man, it's a jungle out there. It's a jungle in that weight room people are throwing weights around and it was just so <laughs> excited. And I, I just hope a guy that they'll give us, give to us over and over again, because he's not, he's not shy with his words and he'll tell you how it is. Love it. Love this kid. Get him out yeah. there. Uh, and he's got big shoes to fill, obviously replacing his in and, and, you know, and that the secondary is going to uh, be a bit of an overhaul. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And he came in I as a highly it. touted player too, out of union high school is big Benosin. Um, so he started most games last year before he got hurt. So he's, he's one of those veterans in the secondary for sure. You talk to train, train. like that a little bit too, or shower shell. I mean, that's, that, that, that's obviously a, a guy we're going to see a lot of no question. What, what were the takeaways from talking to him? I was there for that. I thought even last year when Rashad talked to us, he has like this he, like a visible confidence the way he, he talks older than he is. Like he's a 18 year old, 19 year old freshman. And you think he was there for, you know, five years, uh, which is what you want out of your wide receiver, especially a position where there are a lot of snaps to be taken. And he seems to be a guy who has a chance of doing so. Uh, versatile weapon on the offense. He, I think, I think the first question we asked him was Pat asking him why his name was Train, and I can't for the life of me now remember why they call him Train, but it was a good answer. And he was, he was very, uh, he was very colorful with all of it. So my point is that he's another great personality they have on that team, and I hope he has. You know, a two thousand yard season, so we can talk to him after every game because he's a he's a great quote. It has nothing to do with football. Why they call him Train is because uh, when when he was a in his mommy's stomach, uh, they do the ultrasound and the heartbeat apparently sounded to his dad like a like a train coming down the tracks, like a chugga 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 chugga. Even though it's more like love dub love dub dub, you know. Um, wow. So that's how he became got a fetal ultrasound. That's what you, yeah. you get your nickname before you even come before into the, even onto the earth. That's, that's something that's, that's okay. 
that's that's new good stuff but that's what yeah that's what we've enjoyed spring i think we've got we've got to meet some colorful personalities and you know it's it's they're they're likable kids on this team for sure have you got any takeaways from greg shiano's general mood you can you guys are not uh not seasoned shianoologists like I am, but you 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 can kind of take cut, get 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 some sense for how he's feeling. I know he's uh, he recovered from hip surgery. He should be more mobile. I think that should improve his his mood a bit. Have you gotten any sense from him, like where he is at, just overall with 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 how he feels about this team? Well, I was shocked when we asked him if if there was a quarterback competition and like the first, first practice of the spring was a Gavin Wimsett's job as the starter and Evan Simon's trying to beat him out. And I was pretty shocked that he was like, we need more time on that. Um, and he wasn't just ready to declare that Gavin was going to be the starter. Really? Huh? Yeah. So I guess that was a little, a bit of a moody answer in my opinion. Interesting. Interesting. Brian, anything, any takeaways, Shiano takeaways? Uh, pretty neutral, I would say, but the quote I thought was interesting that he said Saturday that another coach said as well was uh, their developmental program, which to me is probably laying the groundwork for uh, we're we're developing for years from now, not necessarily this fall, right? When I hear we're a developmental program, I think we're not going to be that good. Maybe that's oh, me kind of reading into things, but I just, uh, that kind of set alarm bells through my head that Maybe they're a year away from being a year away still. And uh, I don't know when that developmental process will end. Um, I don't know if he's just saying this in the terms of it being the NIL era and you got to uh, create success the old school way. I'm not sure. I'm just saying when I hear that, it does not give me a great sense of confidence for, for the season ahead. Yeah. Well, that's possible. I mean, certainly that this that that is something he said at the end of last season. I think I, I, think I remember him saying it a couple of times. Um, that said, uh, year four in your development, the program usually means you're, you're in a result stage of this. So it's going to be, that's not something that's going to fly very easily for the fan base. I don't think if that's something that comes up uh, a lot in September and October, <clears throat> but we've got a long way to get there. Um, all right. Spring game coming up next weekend. Uh, not really much you can do preview wise. I, mean, I don't know if you've, you guys, you guys get a sense. Is this going to be, I mean, sometimes you get a spring game where it's just, you know, we're just having fun for the fans. And sometimes you get a spring game where it's a football game. I noticed that Penn State, for the first time in a while, actually had a real, real-ish football game out there in State College because that's what James Franklin wanted to do this uh, this season without any any of the any of the you know craziness that usually happens in spring. You guys get a sense of what we're going to get at the spring game, and really, if you had to give pinpoint one thing that you want to see from that game, what is it? I think it's a uh, standard scoring, right, Pat? That's what they said. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's a real football game. Yeah, I think the answer is Gavin Wimsett, how the quarterbacks look. I think that's pretty much what everyone is going to be going to be looking for. And just... what about the line? The line too. I mean, I think that's got to be one. I mean, I think fans, if you're if you follow this team, you want to see what the new look line is going to look like. Is that is that any sense that we're going to be pleasantly surprised there? I don't know. Uh, Greg Shadow shouted out a couple of young offensive linemen when I asked him about it last week. Uh, Tyler Needham, uh, who's a kid from Philadelphia. Uh, Taj White, uh, who is another young player. And I, I can't remember who else, but they got two spots to fill with Willie Tyler and well, J.D. Dorenzo graduating and Willie Tyler mm-hmm. entering the transfer portal. And uh, we're talking to Pat Flaherty this week, so maybe he can give us a better sense of where he thinks the line is at. But uh, yeah, you make a fair point. Just how one, how many options do they have? And two, what kind of combinations do they go with? I can't imagine they'll divulge everything and just go with, you know, right. But I think uh, I think you're right. I think that's a very good point that 
there are some question marks there that maybe we can get some answers to. I was going to say one thing people have said in the media circles for sure is that the offensive line kind of looks a little bit more like a Big Ten offensive line. That you got big guys, Holland Pierce at left tackle. He looks like a legitimate left tackle with his size and stature. They got the right, they got a, a big time experience coach in there. They should be better. I'll definitely be looking out for that. And and then the other thing I'm going to be looking out for when you ask, is it going to be a real look at how good this team is going to be or not? It's just, it just seems like a lot of the big pieces aren't exactly playing slash practicing right now. Uh, right. You know, you don't have Sam Brown. You don't have Nassim Brantley, the, the receiver they got out of the portal. So I, I don't know necessarily you're going to see like the big, the big names, uh, mm-hmm. but you'll see at, at least the pieces you want to see, like Brian said, Offensive line, uh, quarterbacks for sure. So we can start there. All right. Looking forward to that. We'll come back uh, in a couple weeks after the spring game and uh, recap what we see. Uh, All right. Let's dive into basketball. Um, Interesting roster addition. Noah Fernandez, UMass transfer. Uh, Brian, I'm not really, if I were to guess what Steve Pico would have added through the portal, I'm not sure I would have gone with guard. I would have gone with a big or a wing, but tell me I'm wrong. I mean, what, what makes this an important addition? So the immediate priority for this off season from the portal was a downhill guard, a guy you can give the ball to, and he can create something. Uh, I think aside from Derek Simpson, there was no one else on the roster that could do that. Even if Paul Mulcahy comes back. And uh, you get that with Noah Fernandez. Uh, it's it's pronounced Fernandez. Is it pronounced Fernandez? Thank you. Okay. Yes, I, I confirmed that. Uh, it's a bit dis- so he is of Cape Verdean descent, which is like a Portuguese colony. His name is his name. Is- <laughs> so he he's one of your peeps, is what you're saying immediately. You love this kid. <laughs> yes, when, when you read, his you're going to be talking some Benfica. When, 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 sporting with him. What's your team again? My, like, my, my team is sporting. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Benfica yeah, lost okay. this weekend, so right. I'm in a good mood. Um, but that's good. Okay. Uh, so he, he doesn't speak Portuguese. He's not Portuguese per se. He lives in a Portuguese uh, area of Massachusetts. Uh, but anyway, I say mm-hmm. this because I read his name and I say Fernandes, and apparently it's Fernandes. So that will take some adjusting on my end. Uh, anyway, but he is uh, a New England kid. He's a bit in the Geo Baker mold. Uh, he's a bit shorter, obviously. But my point in that is that, as we've seen many times with this Rutgers offense, many times it gets to a point where there's 10 seconds left on the shot clock and it's someone, please God, do something with the ball, make something happen. And Fernandes is a guy who can just, you know, attack the rim, create a shot for himself, mid-range jumper. He's a really good three-point shooter. Uh, he's a good catch and shooter too, so he can play off the ball. But I reckon he'll be a guy who has the ball in his hands for the most part. I reckon he'll probably start at point guard and play, you know, 25, 30 minutes. Um, and he'll get- He's going to start at point guard? That's what, about- my, that's what I would uh, guess, yes. So you have a three-guard lineup. If Paul comes back, I mean, what, what's your starting lineup? Then? Well, that that's an interesting conversation to have, right? If Paul right. does come back, which I think he will, I, I don't think he's going to make it to the NBA, and I think he'll want to give it, you know, after having some time to cool off at the end of the season, it was a really hard end of the season for Paul. I think he's had some time to cool right. off. And uh, But if he comes back, is he going to play an off-ball role? He's a pretty good off-ball guy. He can... You know, he could, he's a good three-point shooter. I think it's clear that last year he struggled to, to create much with the ball in his hands. We don't know how much of that was due to the injury. But this offense is better when it has a guy who can get downhill, create, open things up. Because if you have a guy who can space out the floor, then you have Cam Spencer, a 40% three-point shooter. You have Gavin Griffiths, who has a reputation as a great three-point shooter out of high school. You have Now you have Paul Mulcahy, who shoots something like 38%. You have Noah Fernandes, who shoot, shot 45% last year. So maybe you're going to have an offense that instead of shooting, you know, 
a low volume of threes at a very bad clip can start bombing away, right? So that might be a thing, a change in this offense next year. But I think it's a good addition. It fills a pretty big hole they had in the roster. And uh, I don't think it'll be the last one. I think given how many kids they had entering the portal, they're probably gonna have to get some depth pieces and add. Uh, and then depending on what happens, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a bit with the Bayan Dongo and uh, with Cliff and Paul in the NBA, they'll have to kind of maybe shift gears depending on what happens. But uh, a lot of moving pieces in the air right now for uh, for Rutgers basketball. Yeah, including on the coaching staff. This is the first shakeup on the coaching staff in a while. Carl Hobbs to Georgia Tech. Uh, a lot of people were surprised. I was not as surprised. I just got the sense reading the tea leaves the last couple of years that he was looking to to move on. I thought maybe he detested the waters as a head coach. Didn't That didn't happen for him. Uh, a lateral move, but I mean, maybe not as much. He's, you know, he's, he's with an experienced coach down there. I think that might improve his profile a little bit. Um, who they got any inkling who they're going to hire to replace him? I know you don't have the answer to that, but if you were Steve Peichel, what are you looking at? So the, the Carl Hobbs clearly was shopping himself. Last year he was up for the LaSalle job. This year he was up for Temple in Manhattan. Uh, he was clearly looking for an exit out of Piscataway. I and I, I don't know the logistics of this. These things are always kind of back dealed, but I don't think even if Steve Peichel wanted to fire Carl Hobbs, I don't think he ever would. He's a very loyal guy. Carl Hobbs is a guy he coached with, he played under. That would never happen. So at, at, this could be a situation where it's mutually beneficial for both sides to kind of, uh, you know, part ways. They've been together for seven years. They probably need a change up of, you know, mindset in that in that uh, in that coaching room. So uh, I, I don't think it's a. I know a lot of people were worried. A lot of people in our tech service were uh, concerned it was a big loss. I don't think this is very. It's not going to be a big hit to the Rutgers basketball program to lose Carl Hobbs. I was going to say, I think it's just, it's an opportunity. That's why that's how I look at it. And yeah, you need, you need a new, if you watch that team late in the year, you need someone who's got some ideas, someone else who's going to come in here. And I don't know if Steve Peichel is going to make that higher. I'm very curious to see if he's going to go outside of his comfort zone. And I'm not, look, I don't have this the basketball assistant coach board here. I don't know who the hot names are. Certainly the hot names around this area. I mean, everyone can tell you, everyone can tell you those, uh, but I'd just be interested to see if he can find someone specifically on offense who can bring some new ideas, a new system, something to help that team in the half quarter offense. I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I think the hot name everyone in the fan base and is familiar with is Brett McConnell assisted at Princeton, former Rutgers team manager. Uh, his father works with the football program, lifelong Rutgers people. Um, he interviewed for the job last time there was an opening, I believe when Steve Hayne was moved and that's when they ultimately hired TJ Thompson he was up for a couple of head coaching jobs this offseason and turned them down. Uh, they were really tough places to coach, New Hampshire and Army. Uh, so not a lot of, a very, very low ceiling at those places. So whether A, Steve Peichel makes the call, B, Brett McConnell would accept leaving Princeton after essentially deciding he's coming back, right? Uh, that's to be seen. And like you said, is Steve Peichel going to get out of his comfort zone? He likes to, I think Jerry Carino termed it this way, he likes to stay within the family. He's very New Jersey in that sense. So will he go outside the family? I don't know. It sounds like the last time there was an opening, it took a long time. It sounds like it might take another, uh, you know, a, 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 it, won't be, it won't be a hire that's coming this week, I'll say. Like, it might take some time as well. I'm very curious. I'm very curious to see uh, what happens. Uh, but along with adding somebody, it's very important that they keep the rest of the staff intact. Keeping Brandon Knight should be priority number one, two, three in the offseason. So we'll see how these things shake out. Let me ask you this. I'll give this one to you. you, you the season is now a month away from what happened. The loss to Hofstra, the, the, the selection Sunday snub. 
I think at the time we were all pretty down on the program has some time away from it. If you step back and you look at it now with, with some 2020 hindsight, are you, do you feel a little bit better about where it is? I mean, what just, I just, just put in perspective where you are with this thing. Cause I, I guess I, I've gone back and forth with it myself a little bit. The time I was really down about it. If you think about it in the big picture now, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> were, we, were we expecting too much out of this team to think it would be in the NCAA tournament every year? I guess, I guess that, that that's where I'm at. I'm going to feel it, throw it to you and see what you think. Yeah. Great question. I think uh, I distinctly remember times on the podcast under selling the team that they're not going to win those first three games that, you know, whatever it was and then they're not going to do this mm-hmm. and i think if you went back and listened to every podcast i would say that the team i mean there was there was a time we were talking about is this team going to win the big 10 <laughs> right yeah, yeah so we we might have overdone it at that point <laughs> <laughs> but still uh i think in the big picture all of us said that they were i think maybe you said they were going to make the tournament from the very beginning um, but I know Brian and I said they weren't. I think they they kind of just played to the level that they expected to play, that they were expected to play at. It, but I, again, I still wrap my head around the, like those last two weeks where it all just kind of fell apart, you know, losing the Minnesota, Nebraska, Hofstra. Like in yeah. the end, yeah. uh, they were, those are just bad losses. And that doesn't, you can't, no matter what happens, you can't take that away. Like those were just plain and simple bad losses that they shouldn't have lost to. Right. Yeah. And, and I wonder if that, I wonder if that ending, and we don't know the answer to this yet, but I wonder if that ending, Brian, is, it, is that going to make it easier for those guys to come back and, and guys, guys like Cliff and Paul, especially, obviously those are the two names come back and say, all right, I don't want to go out. I don't want my college career to go out that way. I don't want to leave. I don't want that to be the lasting memory. I leave with myself in a Rutgers uniform. And I wonder if that's going to be what they say, in a few weeks when they're not drafted and when they have to make a decision about their future. I mean, that's going to be, to me, I would, I, I, I would not be surprised if that's what we're hearing. Certainly. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, particularly on, on Paul Mulcahy's end, he prides himself on being a winner. And I think he made the tournament each of his first three years of college, right? This was his first non-tournament year. I think he'd rather go out right. on, a, on a different way too. I, I, I agree. All right. Let's uh, we've got a bunch of basketball questions from our insider service. So I'm going to dive into them now. Thank you as always for subscribing. I know it's a little slower this time of year. We try to besiege you with texts in April because we do so in October, obviously. So uh, let's hit some of them. Um, and this came up a lot, Brian. I, I don't know if you have any insight, any word on Bay Nadongo and on the Bay Nadongo fiasco. I didn't realize that we reached the fiasco level with Bay Nadongo, but apparently we have. Uh, sounds like it sounds like Georgetown is throwing him the bag money, NIL money. If he doesn't come, who will pike target in the portal? Alex from Freehold, thanks for the question. Thanks to the other eight people who asked the same thing. What's going on with Nadongo? So last week, Baden Dongo is a kid, a 2023 commit who committed in January after taking an unofficial visit. Last week was the first day of the spring signing period. So from April 15th to May 17th, kids can make their commitments official. Uh, Baden Dongo has not signed his national letter of intent. Uh, I reached out to Baden Dongo on Thursday and asked him if he planned on signing it this week. He said he wasn't sure when he would sign it. I asked him if he was still committed to Rutgers. He said yes. So he's still committed to Rutgers. But as our texter alluded to, and I believe it was our friends at the Night Report that had this. Uh, Georgetown is uh, pursuing him, Ed Cooley, and his army of uh, rich alums who want to bring Georgetown back to its former glory. So whether he ends up staying with Rutgers or going to Georgetown is to be seen. I don't know. I don't have any odds on it. 
if he ends up not going to Rutgers, it's a loss in that he has, I think, immense potential to be a great player, Bandango. It was a great get for Rutgers at the time, and it would be a great get if they can get a signature. If they don't get him, they're probably going to have to get somebody in the portal to play the four spot, four, five spot, kind of the Dean Reber, uh, you know, in-betweener kind of guy. Uh, Bay was a little shorter. I think he's 6'9", 6'10", uh, but he could probably could have probably been a backup big alongside um, uh, Wolfolk. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Knights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. And, uh, but it's a tough, right? Cause you're, you know, a month in, two months into the off season, the portal's kind of been drying up. Um, and it's already hard enough to recruit in the portal in the first place, let alone doing it last second. So, uh, I think things would be a lot simpler, a lot better for Rutgers if Bandongo signs his national letter of intent and gets that over with. Uh, I don't know when we'll have resolution again, the, the signing period's until May 17th. And he, he honestly doesn't have to sign a national letter of intent. He could just enroll somewhere in the right. summer. So, yeah. uh, who knows how long this fiasco will turn? Who knows if it'll turn into a saga? Uh, but I just know that it'll be better for everybody if uh, he figures it out sooner rather than later. And to be fair, I, I, I think the kid is one of the kids that in this basketball s- situation where he has handlers that are kind of taking care of his situation. He's from Senegal. He moved to the United States. Uh, he was in Colorado for a long time. He moved to Connecticut uh, prep school after he committed to Rutgers. So I, I don't know if people should be blaming the kid necessarily. He has a lot of people in his ear. It'll all sort itself out. But it's a fascinating on one, second. though. I mean, hang on one second. Hang on one second. I come from the high school ranks where I thought you had to sign a national letter of intent to attend a college and accept no. a scholarship. What is the? What are you talking about? Not at all. That's just that's a complete fallacy. You don't have to sign it. You don't have to sign anything, right? I mean, you could just go show up and get your scout. You don't have to sign anything. In theory, in theory, if he doesn't sign his right. NLI and like in June just enrolls at Rutgers in like summer classes, he could be uh the, the NLI just makes it binding. But wow, yeah, I mean, most sides, kids do it yeah. because there's no there's no downside in doing. It. I mean, there's no upside in not doing it, right? Wow. But yeah, uh, I mean, downside there used to be a pretty significant downside. <laughs> you were stuck. Yeah, now I guess that's no longer the case you could transfer wherever you want pretty much now or you can just request out of the noi which happens literally all the time like uh, uh mckenzie yeah, back, yeah. Uh, i can't pronounce his last name the kid from roselle catholic the five-star kid who was committed to duke then kyle Filipkowski decides he's coming back for a second year all of a sudden the roselle kid goes from being a starter to being on the bench so he requests out of his noi and duke lets him go obviously so at this point you know it, it's kind of just a formality no rules no right. rules anymore no, there aren't. Well, that's obvious. There are no rules. Uh, I think this is fascinating. If this is the first real NIL loss, right, for Rutgers, I, we, we don't know. We don't know how many players they've tried to recruit that they can't get because money's changing hands. But this is one that they did get, and I assume they did get without. And I don't get any sense that Rutgers is offering NIL inducements to get people here yet. I have not gotten that sense. So this is the first player they've lost because another program's doing that. It's sort of a it's it's sort of a moment, right? I mean, it and it does. 
I think it will shake shake things up a little bit and will change uh, the approach maybe for NIL. I mean, what do you think? Am I overblowing it that if this if this is what happens that this that this is kind of a, a moment? No, oh, I don't think so. And the reality is that Rutgers cannot compete with many of these programs as far as NIL. They just they're not not in the same stratosphere, right? So if 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 NIL is a priority for a kid, I'd say nine yeah. times out of ten, Rutgers is not getting that kid, right? So. I don't know if that's the situation for Nago. I, I can't. I really don't know. But generally, if that's what happens, I think it's a solid example that Rutgers is very much behind in that race. I don't know what the solution is. I think they have to hope that the entire fan base buys a Mega Millions ticket and someone hits it, because otherwise, I don't think anybody at Rutgers is going to be inventing vitamin water anytime soon. So it's a, it's yeah. a slightly. But, but it is interesting to happen at this point of the. It had to happen now at this point where they already got the commitment. It's one thing if you have a conversation with. A recruit and their family and they're like look we're going for the money and i think steve pleichel at that point hey thanks you know great appreciate you letting us know and moves on if you get the commitment and it happens later that's it's a different scenario yeah and you it's, plan it's, to have him in the roster it's strange in basketball for kids to flip commitments I mean, football happens all the time in basketball it's relatively rare so i think that's why people were a bit surprised at this whole situation happening and again he has not right. flipped yet but the possibility being there is uh, alarming, understandably, for the fan base. All right. We got a ton of questions on the Hobbs situation. Uh, people want to know if it's even, if it was even uh, bigger salary at Georgia Tech. I don't think we're going to know that. Georgia Tech's a private school. He was making a fair amount of money here as an assistant uh, associate head coach. Um, what assistant is available that has credentials? Old Mark wants to know uh, that, that they can hire. Again, we don't have a great we don't have a great list here. The one thing I'm going to say, Brian, and this this is a really important point to make: if football goes out and, and hires Kirk Shiraka for 1.4 million dollars, Greg Schiano said to Pat Hobbs, "I need this guy," and they went out and they gave him a salary that was just out of whack with anything they've ever done. Um, so if if Steve Pike wants to do that. He can hire anybody he wants who's available. I really believe that. Like if he wanted to cast the widest net and hire an assistant coach at a salary that they've never had in Piscataway. That, that's, that's where we're at now. Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of where this, that's the precedent that's been set. I mean, they're already paying Brandon Knight $650,000 this season, which is an incredible amount of money for a basketball assistant coach. Right. I don't know if they could have two right, of yeah. them. I don't think they have two of those salaries. I mean, well, how much did, how much Carl Hobbs make? 300 or 350. Significantly less right? than wow. Knight. Yeah. Okay. Knight made, this game made a lot more money than everyone else. And TJ Thompson, whose contract is up in June, they they have to, renew him if he's going to come back next year he was making i think two hundred thousand. so the mm-hmm. hobbs and and uh thompson were making t- combined were making less than brandon knight um i think that kind of shows the importance of brandon knight to this program uh and i just don't know i don't know if they can add another coach of that level uh and also i get to your point i well, think they can the answer is they can i think if he wants it they will right well, then- i mean I, I think I mean how can you how can you you've invested in this program to such a high level now to to you would think that if they needed it, if they if Steve Pichel just told Pat Hobbs he needed the guy he'd get the guy I guess that's what I come back to like the idea that they have to go and you know find a guy just starting out no the answer is I think they could hire a really elite assistant coach would be good for them I agree, I agree with that I agree with that basketball is a hot look how many questions we got uh, the interest around basketball is enormous i don't know what my point was with that but the point being that the <laughs> point the, is they the can get whoever big. they want yeah exactly the point is the pool is big like i get it that and i think Brett mcconnell is a great 
candidate for the job. But this can be a this could be a real a truly national search if you wanted it to be. So it'll get interesting to see what happens. So I don't that doesn't answer your question who's gonna be, guys. We do not know who it's gonna be, but I do I do think that they've got potential to to make a big high here. All right, let me see what else we got. Um, uh, we got a bunch of offensive line questions, and we tried this a little bit. Everyone wants to know about the offensive line. Who do you think will crack that lineup? Alex from Freehold. Um, we got another one. Maybe I missed it, but I haven't heard the name Jacob Allen much this spring. Is he still with the program? Is he expected to have an impact this year? Uh, Pat, I know he's still with the program. Is he yeah. going to have an impact? What, what, what's your sense of who's going to be in that line mix? Yeah. I know Brian mentioned Tyler Needham. He's a guy getting a lot of praise and uh, action. Um, Jacob Allen is still a little bit buried on the depth chart. Um, I, I think he still needs a little bit more development before he cracks the lineup. But he was a guy, obviously, everyone was very high on because he was the number one player in New Jersey. <laughs> um, we surprised of- by that? The fact, yeah. I mean, we surprised yeah. by that? that he hasn't- Yeah, well, well, yes and no. Yes and no, because what everyone said about that class in New Jersey was that it wasn't the greatest New Jersey class ever. It was right. a little underwhelming, but still, when you get the number one guy in New Jersey and he can't crack the two deep, that is surprising. To be yeah. fair, he spent the entire year injured last year. So he's really like a year behind in his development. I think that's kind of right. just the big impediment. And essentially he lost his redshirt last year because he was hurt. I think this year is kind of a redshirt esque year. And then he'll, and then offensive line already takes a long time to develop anyway. Uh, so right. I think, uh, but I, I I agree. It's disappointing when you get a, a lead guy like that. He's not ready to contribute yet. I, but the the circumstances were a bit out of his control, I think. Right. I think that's also good to remember with offensive line, it's not necessarily, I mean, sometimes you get Anthony Davis, but a lot of these guys, you don't, they're just, when you're 17, you're a different man than when you are when you're 20. I mean, yeah, that's no just, question. yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Some more uh we got a usual question about why Rutgers can't recruit Bergen County. I don't know if we, we have a better answer to that now that we that we ever had. A, um, Rutgers they got Darius, did get they got Darius Hamilton on the staff now. That's right. They recruited him back as an assistant coach. That's big. But they did get I mean, they don't have to recruit Bergen County if you can get one of the better players out of Wisconsin. Sam Paloff, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, a, a linebacker who turned down Penn State in Iowa, uh, Wisconsin. Has a great mullet. That's that's what I that's what I saw. I mean, like we're talking like a world class, you know, nineteen eighties hockey mullet. Like Yamir Yager would be. Hey, that's a great mullet. Um, you guys got anything else on, on big recruiting win? Uh, Todd Rickon was it's all a big over recruiting it. Win. Yeah, no yeah. question. Right. It's interesting. So, so they're uh, getting players. I was just saying, it's interesting if they got a kid from Wisconsin. They have a kid from Michigan in this class. Uh, they have obviously a quarterback from New Jersey. Uh, but they're, it seems like they're exploring the Midwest more, uh, at least from uh, – I don't have the data behind it, but it feels like they're going to different areas than usual, uh, this class. I've been told that Sam has – he has a lot of ties to New Jersey. So this, is, this isn't just plucking a kid out of the Midwest. This is someone who's got a lot of family in New Jersey, uh, and that was a key part of this, obviously. But still, I mean, yeah, that that's 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 a good sign. <laughs> Anytime you can – beat wisconsin for anybody iowa penn state that that's that is a good that is a good get so recruiting uh and that class is what now it's that class is now eighth in the big 10 is that what i saw yeah eighth eighth yeah yeah. not bad not bad all right uh speaking of um transfers women's hoops sue from sue and somerset wants to know any insight why destiny adams left successful unc to join rutgers other than returning to new jersey well i tell anyone who could leave chapel hill Obviously, it's crazy. I'm kidding, Destiny. I'm just joking. That was just to fuel the 
Politi's Carolina Carolina bias uh, conversation. Uh, Destiny Adams, she didn't, she wasn't a starter, right? She was not starting at Carolina. Is that what the deal was? But six three. I mean, I think that's obviously a great. She's a five star type kid. That's that's a great get, right, Pat? Oh, there's no question. And the big knock on Rutgers women's hoops during the end of the the Stringer years was that they weren't getting any recruits from New Jersey, and not just getting any recruits, they weren't getting the best yeah. players from New Jersey. Destiny Adams, as you know, Steve, I think you wrote a really good piece on her at one point. Was was the player in New Jersey for her class, and like I think uh, New Jersey Player of the Year. So. I'm not. Right. I, I don't hey, have any insight as to the why, but you know, her coming home is is huge, huge, and and a significant uh, win for Coquise Washington because it shows that hey, they're ready to go after some of these great girls in New Jersey again. Yeah, yeah, and this is a plug and play player. This is not like you know, again, this is that that's a big deal. That's immediate help. Uh, the column you're referring to, I wrote about her in high school. She was in Manchester High. And I went back and read that. Kind of had forgot what it was. But she, uh, she had stood up for herself. She wore a Black Lives Matter T-shirt during uh, warmups, and there was a big kerfuffle in town about it. And she was very outspoken about it. This is the, I mean, I, I talked to her then, and I thought this is the kind of player you want on your college campus um, because she was so well spoken about it. She was so uh, articulate. She was just very clearly given it a lot of thought to the issues of what was going on in the country at the time. I was right in the middle of a, a, a lot of unrest in the country as you guys, I don't tell you about that. Um, so yeah, I think she's just, just a great addition uh, overall and a sign that, I mean, women's basketball, again, we, we talked about it before overachieved last year, based on expectations has a couple of good pieces coming back, plugging another one. And I think she's doing a great job so far. No doubt. Kobe's watched his off to a great start to her tenure. Uh, and this, uh, not only does this get great for the women's basketball program, it could help the guys across the other side of the practice facility because her younger brother, Darius Adams, Manisquan's finest, is a five-star recruit in the class of 2025. Oh. And he's very close to his sister. Interesting. So, uh, what is he is, considering? Do we know? Uh, it's early. He's 25, so he's a, Too early. 25. He's a sophomore, I think. But he's been Rutgers a few times. Uh, Rutgers is all over him. They were one of the first teams to recruit mm-hmm. uh, to uh, offer him. Uh, they're... He's their main target in 2025. When Destiny Adams uh, announced that she was transferring out of UNC on Instagram, her brother Darius commented that I'm going to go where you go. I really, would not, I would wow. not, oh. I would not uh, take the word of a 15 year old kid as gospel <laughs> on an Instagram comment. I don't think you can really right. hold up. That doesn't hold up in a court of law that if he doesn't commit to Rutgers, he's going to go to jail because he said he would. But I think it's a good indication of how good of a relationship he has with his sister he already has a good relationship with the Rucker staff. He clearly likes Rutgers because mm-hmm. he's around a decent amount. I'm just saying this could be an- another good thing for Rutgers in, in that aspect. And if you land Darius Adams a class after you get Ace Bailey and maybe you get Dylan Harper and two classes after Gavin Griffiths and maybe those guys stick around another year and then you're talking about – I'm not to get ahead of ourselves here, but we might be talking about a parade through New York City after Rutgers wins the national championship in men's basketball. Not to right. get ahead of myself. Are you saying <laughs> not to get versus New York's well, team? Not, not to get ahead of yourself. Oh, I tell you, that was pretty. We were. That was, I was just. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty far ahead. I love it though. This is this is the great part about like this. We talked about like forever. Women's basketball is sort of on an island under Coach Stringer for all the great stuff she did. It was really not. I don't know the best way to say it. I it just wasn't. It kind of operated on its own and within the athletic department. That changed immediately with with. 
because Washington and when she took over immediately started involving Greg Shiano took took players to meet Greg Shiano on uh, recruits to you know to talk to him I think that she, I think she's had big outreach with with Steve Peichel as well all right you're seeing signs of that 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 pays off you know the synergy within the athletic department so that's interesting I love that little nugget um, about the re- about the recruiting, which is a good segue because we have a question about recruiting. Uh, a lot of people have noticed Dylan Harper was down there in Georgia playing with uh, Rutgers. Re- now, of course, I'm drawing a blank on the kid's name. Um, Ace Bailey. Was there any any takeaways from that, Brian, having him down there on the team uh, playing with a future Rutgers recruit? I mean, what, what was the sense there? I think it's a great sign of their relationship. Um, they were very friendly with each other at the USA Basketball mini camp in the Final Four in Houston. And uh, right after there, uh, Dylan Harper went to Atlanta, Georgia to play with Ace Bailey on his AAU team. I didn't know you could just do that. You can just join a random AAU team for a weekend and play. That was news to me. Uh, I don't know what who the NCAA has no rules. I don't know what the AAU circuit is. It's a freaking free for all over there. But anyway, yeah, he plays a weekend with and it's they completely de- demolished the other team. It's just not even fair. You have two top five kids in the same team. Yeah, like, I saw that. Yeah. If I was a parent on the other team, I would. I know these AAU parents are all really crazy. Whatever parent complained about that would be absolutely right. That this would be nonsense. Anyway, digress. I think it's a great sign for Rutgers that they are uh, they, they have a great relationship. I think uh, Ace continues as he told me when he committed, as he told Adam Zagoria at the Final Four. He's recruiting Dylan Harper really hard, and he wants to make this a Fab Five kind of class. Uh, and he wants to be the ones that changes Rutgers. Ace Bailey's being Rutgers' best recruiter outside of the staff right now, and I think. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think it's a lot of positive momentum for Rutgers in that recruitment, uh, which should end at some point this summer. And uh, Rutgers, again, as we've been saying for a while, right in there uh, with Duke. And if you land Dylan Harper, uh, sky's the limit. That ticker tape parade in New York will be on track. <laughs> it was a toss up in March when I talked to the Harpers. Uh, I'm still working on a column about them. It's still a toss up now. I get the sense, right? If you don't get has has the crystal ball shifted. I think it's still Rutgers and Duke. I think it'll be Rutgers and Duke yeah. until the end. I think until John Shire is all over Dylan Harper. I think Steve Peichel yes. is all over Dylan Harper, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna come down to the wire. I think. All right, a couple fun questions. Well, here's the first one, uh, Steve. Can we add a little bit about wrestling? Uh, I'm sure he's not asking me this question, Pat. Can we add a little about wrestling? Uh, Slavikowski transferred in, and we have a good shot to land Cannon. This person could be making up two names. Or this could be. <laughs> I, I can't even believe be great. this is because right. someone should do this. Just text me. Just text me a name with a lot right. of vowels. I can't even believe Yuroslav Slavikowski. Is that right? That Yuroslav Slavikowski. Is he transferring? Where's he transferring in from? Ukraine? Harvard from Harvard. Harvard. That's even better. Gosh. Okay. Um. That was it. Was a huge get. And transferring from the Polish infantry. I'm sorry. I'll stop. Okay. This is going to be a significant offseason for Rutgers wrestling. Very significant. Um, they already landed Yuroslav Slavikowski. He was an All-American candidate out of Harvard. And they're not done. Uh, as as our reader mentioned, Chris Cannon, a two-time All-American from uh, Northwestern, has a real he's from Oceanport. Uh, went to Blair Academy. There's a good chance that's a homecoming that Rutgers is in a really good position to land him. And I got a little nugget for the podcast that there is a potential NCAA champion out there lingering that has Rutgers on his radar, Shane Griffith. who's obviously a star out of Bergen Catholic. And if wow. Shane Griffith comes back to Rutgers, it would be 
maybe the most significant transfer they've ever had. And that's saying something because they brought Wait. in Nick Soriano. <laughs> How can that be? That can't be possible. Really? It It is absolutely possible. Wow. Uh, I just, I don't want to say too much, <laughs> but it's definitely a possibility. And um, I, <laughs> someone asked me the other day, what would be more significant? Rutgers landing Shane Griffith or Rutgers landing Nick Soriano? And I said, my gut says Soriano because coming out of high school, he was the greatest high school wrestler of that generation and all that. But Shane Griffith, if you know anything about his story, was the guy that won a national championship at Stanford the year that Stanford was about to slash 13 of its sports. And they call Shane oh, wow. Griffith the guy that saved Stanford wrestling and all these other sports. And he's just a high character kid. But again, another homecoming that's a possibility. I know the Rutgers staff is really working hard to make it a reality. That's where I'll leave it. Why would he leave? He's so that's a great question. <laughs> He's been at Stanford. <laughs> this is his sixth year. He's already graduated. He's already done his master's degree at Stanford. Okay. And he's just looking to do some kind of, I don't want to say a six year program, but uh, an, an easy gotcha. six year program where he doesn't, he gets a shot to wrestle in the big 10 on. Okay. On, on his own terms, really, and and just be a part of a, a team that's uh, really building something great. If they can land him and Cran- him, Cannon and Yaroslav Slavikowski, fascinating, love it. All right, good stuff, good insight. Thanks for the scoop here in the end of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, all right, a few other fun questions, Steve. If you had to pick the next Rutgers assistant basketball coach from among current or past Rutgers beat writers. Whom would you choose, CJ and Baskin Ridge? That's a great question. I think it would have to come down to Fonseca or Carino on this one. Um, I have to go with our guy. I like you. I like. I like. Have, I would love to have right, right there. You'd be like the moti- You'd be the existential motivational stack guy on that on that bench, Fonseca. What do you think? Change have, of careers. I'd have all the positive stats they could possibly hope for. I'd tell them to run you the play be- where they put the ball in the basket. I'd be. Uh, I, I would, and I would not ask for six hundred thousand dollars. I'm, I'm a very happy making uh, low six figures. So listen, no big talk is good. Okay, I'll, 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 if he calls me, I'll listen. Um, listen. I think yep. there might, there might be more qualified people ahead of the line. What about you? What, yep, you know, you, what about yourself? Why are you being so humble? You, you don't think? No, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I wouldn't be much of a basketball coach. I don't think. No, I don't have to. Well, I can't go to pra- I can't go to practice in this job. I'm gonna go to every day in practice. Do you My ever? Gosh. Do you ever? You've never seen me try to shoot a ball either. Uh, you know, I, I coached, you'll love this. this is a good start. I coached one, one because I work on weekends. That's my excuse why I can't coach my kids. So one game, my uh, friend was not available. He was like, asked me, could you just coach? It was early. My son's rec soccer team. My son doesn't remember. Like he plays hockey. He's not even a soccer player. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Sure. How hard could it be? Well, it turns out we had all the good players in the league. And I didn't realize that this was equally as big a challenge. So look, we're, we're six minutes into this game or we're already up for nothing. And I'm like, Holy crap. If I don't do something, we're going to win this game. 37, nothing. And all these columns I've written over the years about sportsmanship, I'm going to look like the the biggest ass hat in the world here. And then it became like, it became next 56 minutes of me begging the players to stop. You got to stop scoring and trying to get the kids playing defense to move the offense. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So it was my one. We actually winning nine, nothing. And I was extremely grateful. It was only nine, nothing. So the coach, the opposing coach wouldn't shake my hand on the way off, off the game. <laughs> so yeah, it was good. 
You sit right here at Rutgers. Please stop scoring, guys. You guys are scoring too much. Please. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly. I should I should just get a nice segue into it. I could do that. Uh, all right. Speaking of spring sports, not really a good transition. Quick update. Baseball now 20 and 16. Uh, probably have to win the Big Ten to get into the NCAAs, correct? I would think so. I'm not entirely sure. So. Their um their non conference schedule is a lot better than it was last year. That was their big hangover. Okay. We're not getting in last right. year despite having forty five wins or whatever it was. But they just haven't won as much. I I, I don't yeah. know what it's gonna take, but they had a good right. weekend. They they won a series against Michigan. They won five of the last six. If they keep on this track, okay. uh, but they're probably gonna have to win the Big Ten tournament, is is my guess. Softball thirty and seventeen got swept by Penn State. And this is the stat. I can't I just couldn't believe this. And you guys made fun of me for reading Jordan's um lacrosse notes but i'm in the deli waiting for a sandwich and i get an email from jordan Oser, the great lacrosse sid at rutgers and i'm reading the notes and i see that they're playing they're playing maryland and the series against maryland and they are they were have won once in 35 games against maryland i had no idea that maryland had dominated that series to that level played them again it was a close i guess they weren't out five nothing came came back lost 11 eight against the maryland team that's not quite in the level of last year's maryland team uh, where are we at with lacrosse? I mean, is that is that still an NCAA tournament team? Uh, probably gonna have to win the Big Ten tournament. The, the, their luck is that this year, I don't know if it's this year or last year it started. The Big Ten tournament used to be only the top four teams make the field. Now everyone makes the field. So right, Rutgers has lost three of the last four. They're sliding. I don't know where they are in the Big Ten standings, but probably not top four. But anyway, they're gonna make the tournament because everyone does. So they'll have a chance to make a run and maybe uh maybe beat Maryland for the second time and win the Big Ten tournament and make the NCAA's. So. They're in the big. They're in the top ten for a while, though, right? They're number nine this week. They're probably not going to yeah. drop out because they lost right. to Maryland, who's number four. But um, yeah. I think they're they're eight and four. You know, I, I don't the the cross field is not that big, uh, so right. I'm not sure. Maybe they make the tournament. I just think I would only really be comfortable if they made if they won the Big Ten tournament. That I know for a fact they made it. Otherwise, I think it'll be a sweaty Sunday or Monday or whatever they do the the selection show. Sweaty Sunday, as always. All right. Anything else? What I forget? We've talked for a while. Anything? We missed anything here? No. Devils and six. Good. Any masters? Devils and six. Any anything <laughs> from Augusta? <clears throat> masters was great as always. That was a, a fine week. A little rainy on the weekend. John Rom. Yeah, it was uh, my twentieth Masters, which was kind of crazy. Devils and six. I think that's about right. Yeah, I think the Devils are going to win that series. They're uh, they have every edge except goaltending, and I think goaltending is closer than people think. That's all I got. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. We'll be back after the spring game with some actual live football observations. And until then, thanks. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.